Hi folks, uh, just a couple things this week. There is some minor talk about firearms, hunting, and uh, dissection oh. in this week's interview. So uh, just just be aware. Uh, also, uh, we have animals. Uh, Shaw, what are you doing? Oh God, no, it's Hobbs. Hobbs is, Hobbs is on top of the bookcase where he likes to be. Chasing so, his tail. Yeah, Sergey also likes to be there, so it can be a point of contention sometimes. Dude, dude you're fighting your own tail while, while seven feet in the air. Yeah, he does that. Meanwhile, um, Hound is beautiful and wants me to know it. And chickens are all asleep, so that was exciting. Yes, uh, the other thing to make mention of is we swear, and we're very unrepentant about it. So We will swear when Hobbes falls off the bookcase. And laugh, probably. Quite possibly. It's not a charitable thing to laugh when he does that, but we will laugh. I mean, he's still made of rubber bands at this point. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, hi, folks. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 188. Uh, we are in the, I mean, this is the next of my, oh, my God, I can't believe I got this person uh, interviews. <laughs> um, there are a bunch of those coming up and uh, I'm real excited uh, so we'll be talking to uh, Heidi Waterhouse later who is an open source person who uh, is a, a Twitter person who's socially active all kinds of fun stuff and uh, it was really really great to talk to Heidi we'll have that for you in just a bit uh, so yeah my week has been pretty good Yay! so far I had my quarterly review last I'm not going to say last week, yesterday. It was yesterday uh, for me, and it was overwhelmingly positive, and that is always a good feeling. And uh, so I've started on some some new stuff, some, some newer, higher-profile stuff uh, that is pretty exciting. Everybody, when I, when I said, hey, I've started working on this thing in a meeting earlier today, everyone was like, thank you so much. So uh, it's, it's going to be good stuff. Don't, not on the keyboard, Sergey. Why is it always the keyboard? Uh, so that's keeping me busy. Uh, we're also starting, I'm also starting the uh, uh, planning, the next phase of planning for spring chicks. We are now down to about five weeks until they arrive. So uh, that's exciting. And we've had to, you know, rearrange some things, rearrange yep. some things uh, to to prepare. Uh, so there will be updates as that as that moves forward. That's really most of what happens around here for me, <laughs> I, I work, I record podcasts, and I hang out with my chickens. And occasionally I scratch a cat where I, the cat wants to be scratched. I mean, my week, I wrote words. I, uh, at one point, I, I, Monday, I had to go run errands, you know, yes. but like, I wrote, wrote words. And today, I, it was so nice out today. We had like 70 degree weather. I was able to sit outside in the garden and write words. And that was lovely. Um, I am kind of doing the thing where since I don't really have a super instantaneous immediate deadline. And now, of course, I know that I am going to need all these books for this year. I am right. just like, like scattershot throwing words on anything that I have a vague idea on. Uh, so eventually some of that will be useful. I, I, you know, as, as oh, yeah. Yeah. but, uh, 
I I have to say I don't feel like I'm making a super amount of progress on anything, which is making me feel sort of guilty and unproductive. The fact, despite the fact that I'm generally making well over you know a thousand words a day, more it's, like twelve to eighteen hundred. So yeah, but uh, I guess the thing about it is it isn't on a single thing; it's spread across like four things or five things. Right. So, yeah. but you know, I am managing to work on what will probably be the next Paladin book that will hopefully come out this summer. So, God knows that needs words. Oh, yeah. And yes, yeah. Hound. Yes, and that just hit the 30,000 word mark, which is always nice. Which means that there's going to be a couple thousand more words, and it's going to end up in my inbox going, please read this and tell me it does not shame my ancestors. Exactly. And then I just, the one nice thing, this is giving me some focus, actually. I just got edits back on the novella that uh, that I handed in, and... Uh, they're very clear edits. They're very, uh, we feel this is, this has no major structural problems so much as this bit is an info dump and we need to move, you know, part of it somewhere else maybe. And, uh, can you manage to cut like about 12 or maybe 2000 words out of it? Because at the moment it's just over novella length. And if we can get it under 40,000, even if it's 39,999, it's a novella. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I can okay, do that. Great. So, so I'm going through, you know, and, and working on that. And it's just giving me some structure and some, I feel like I am being productive on a thing that is the thing I need to be working on. So that's nice. It's good. Oh, hello, Shaw. Are you going to yeah. come sit on my keyboard too? And that's about it. I'm, I'm, it's very, it's feeling like spring here. So I do sporadic garden stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm it was sunny today. It hasn't been raining. I did a bunch of stuff in the chicken coops this weekend to kind of make it a little less swampy. And yeah. so and it's been nice to be able to spend more time out there. Okay, now Now there are two kittens on top of the bookcase and one is being groomed aggressively. And soon oh. the battle will begin for control of No, your no. box of Warhammer. 40k. Yeah. Uh, either that or, or Shaw's going to sit on Hobbs. That's just how it works. So Our, anyway. our big excitement this week was that uh, Hound got out oh my God. at night, of all things. She's never gotten out at night before, so we had to go looking for her, and we drove around, and we were panicked, and everyone was freaking out, and then Liz texts that she opened the front door, and Hound was sitting there going, Hi. I had, had an adventure, time. yeah. Let me in now. And she, of course, had was covered in mud. And we had to bathe her at like 9 o'clock at night. And, and she had lost her collar somewhere. Yes, so and that, that was, was... Yeah, naked hound. Yeah, that, this is the big excitement around here. We're, we're really not <laughs> terribly thrilling people. <laughs> yeah, and, and so it's, it's good, I think. Yes, this is this is what life is made of. It's yes. mostly, you know, weeks Most, like this where right. you do the stuff you do and uh, there are minor crises and you deal with them. I am yes, hound. I am beautiful. feeling a little bit of the of the the itch to go someplace even though there's really no place to go. Yeah. You know, uh so that was the moment that Ker- Sergey threw himself down on the keyboard and hit the uh, hit the stop button <laughs> and stopped recording. So you were going to say uh, yeah, there's not really anywhere we can go till after plague times, but right, uh, right. it's it's nice to think about what we might do at some point. 
Maybe we should go to Hawaii. I've never been, and I've always wanted to go. Yeah, that's that's one of those places that's, and uh, I think we've also talked about something like Rome, or uh, you know, some place uh, we some place new, right? Yeah, some place big and extravagant mm-hmm. and and cool, and also that is not like a whole lot of work and that caters to tourists, so we can lay around and get room service because it's been a lot. Oh yeah, it's been a lot. Um. And realistically, it'll be next year. Yes, if you hear the meowing in the background, that is that is Hobbs getting his ass whooped by Shaw. Which, as someone said to me on one of my various chats, well, that seems canon. So <laughs> now, of course, you know I was always rooting for The Rock. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> of course. Anyway, such vacations are far off in the future, and yes. maybe I'll be able to find a work gig that takes us to one of them. And- one, I, uh, we can dream. We can yeah. dream. Somebody uh, needs to have a science fiction convention in Rome, please. <laughs> Vatican. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them to already have a, a Vatican, but we do yeah, not Yeah, Vatican qualify. 2022. Come on. I will come out as a guest. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, it's uh, life is boring and moving forward, and I appreciate that. So hey, I have an interview. Yes, which is not boring. Which is not boring. No, I had a chance to sit down and talk to uh, our friend, um, at least Twitter friend for you. I have actually met her in person, um, Heidi Waterhouse, who is uh, marketing and developer relations for this really cool company called Launch Darkly, but does a whole lot of other stuff at the same time. And I'm going to have that for you right after this. Now let's go break up the kitten fight. Yeah. friend Heidi and Heidi has graciously agreed to tell us how she stays productive so uh, Heidi can you introduce yourself significantly better than I just did and tell us about what you do sure my name is Heidi Waterhouse I am a transformation advocate at launch darkly which basically means they finally let me make up my own title and I stole it from <laughs> Maddie Stratton <laughs> and what I do is go around the world in the before times and uh, around my living room in the now times, explaining to people that there are better ways to do software development and how we can make it uh, sooner, safer, faster, better. All of those things uh, with incremental progress. I am also a neurodiversity advocate. I talk openly about having ADHD and uh if you are a middle-aged woman who cannot find her keys but is in fact really brilliant, I will just like walk up to you and grab you by the lapels and say, "Have you considered there might be a reason?" Um, and yeah. my <laughs> possible Kevin's familiar with this problem. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my volunteer gig is comprehensive sexual education, especially for teens. Which oh 
dear God, is that so needed? It's so important. And you like you just cannot you cannot learn from your parents about condoms. The shame level is just too high. You have to have like I mean, your Sunday school teacher is only marginally better, but it's still better. I maybe kind of have some experience in that realm. Yes. Both uh, both the receiving and the giving of. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. They, 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 you laugh about it and you joke about it as a parent, but then you're terrified of it. So, yeah. Right. Like, if you screw up, you're kind of setting your kids up for a lot of trouble. Not just like, will my kid get knocked up or get dire diseases, but like, how do you explain what a healthy relationship is? Like, are you being safe, sane, and consensual, or are you dating Marilyn Manson? You know? Uh, yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a concern. And there is, I mean, I love that uh, we have a much broader and opener focus on consent culture now. Um, that makes it a lot easier, actually, to talk about those things with my kids when they were living here. And uh, maybe, you know, and I, I think it's, uh, good that we're being more open about it because it, it's helping us remove some of the toxicity um, that is so prevalent in young people's relationships. Yeah, and like they don't know better. No. All they can see is what we show them. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, after trying to be a good example, <laughs> I've you know done all I can. Uh, with all that going on, how do you keep yourself organized? It's not easy. Um, the, at the new year, there's a ton of jokes that go around in the ADHD community about how this year I'm buying a planner and it's going to be the one solution for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we all dutifully buy our planners and make like the first, like the January spreads are so gorgeous. Oh, and yeah. then nothing happens. Uh, so my combination is uh, a Trello board some kind of Kanban board with doing and done and, and oh shit, I should think about that sometime. Which is, <laughs> I think other people call that like their parking lot or their backlog. Yeah, I yeah. literally mine is labeled. Oh shit. Um, like because that. why not be honest with yourself? I mean, yeah, I, I have a, my, my office is paneled in hideous seventies, uh, fake veneer paneling with like strong vertical lines. That uh, is literally the uh, the family room of the house I grew up in. Right. And uh, it turns out post-it notes fit great on that. Oh, really? Yeah. And they'll stay, especially if you get the high-stick post-it notes. Man, the post-it note technology has come so far. Minnesota oh. is doing the world so much good. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I will put post-it notes on my wall and just move them along physically if I'm home. And then... In combination with that, I, I do sort of a modified Pomodoro, um, okay. which if people aren't familiar, you set a timer and work on something for a set period of time and then take a break for a set period of time. Um, yep. And I don't love Pomodoro if I'm doing thinking work or deep work, but it is super useful for I'm going to spend 15 minutes figuring out why my kid was marked absent from e-learning. I promised she was not playing hooky. Where would she play hooky to? <laughs> right. But I have to call right. somebody and tell them that my kid did not play hooky. Um, 
So I use Pomodoro for that kind of thing. Um, and if it's a long task, like doing my taxes or something, I will I will make little Pomodoro hash marks. Right. And and then when I'm done, I have a column called Pomodun, which <laughs> just amuses me because we're playing. Uh, but that's when I'm home. And at least in the before times, I was traveling something like 60 percent. Uh, when I yeah. said I traveled around the world talking to people about this, that, like no joke. Last year, I had a trip from New York to Dublin to Sydney to Melbourne to LAX to Portland to home. Now, you were on Twitter yesterday talking about hotel pillows, weren't you? I was. (laughs) (laughs) That is a sign that you have traveled way too much. I know. People are like, how do you you get first-class upgrades so much? I'm like, I make really bad life choices. (laughs) So the thing that keeps me on track when I'm traveling is you'd think that I could just have a Trello board that worked while I was traveling, but traveling is so interrupt-based. And so distracting and so peopley that it doesn't work. The thing I do is I have a little pocket-sized notebook, and I write down the things I did that day. Writing down the things I want to do is a secondary. Like, if it's rattling around in my brain and I'm worried I'll forget it, I write it down. But so often, I will get to the end of a 14-hour day, and I will be completely exhausted, and I will have been working all day, and will have no idea what I did. Right. And so keeping the done list has been such a game changer for my mental health around productivity because all of us are doing a lot more than is on our to-do list. Like you might have put vacuum on your to-do list or you might not because it's just a thing that has to happen when you notice like there are dust buffaloes roaming the floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm also familiar with it, although... They've decreased significantly since the cat that was apparently producing 90% of them uh, left this world. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's good to know who was at fault, but um, maybe Hobbs and Shaw are just not up to full for factory capacity. You I, don't I know. live in fear of that. I, we, yeah. we, we look at them and we go, they're, they're only seven months old and they're both like 10 pounds and, oh God, how big are they going to get? So, yes. Yeah, exactly. But so some people do chores that don't appear on the list. But if you don't count them toward your like daily, uh, I live under capitalism and therefore feel like I have to earn my oxygen every day, uh, you kind of feel shitty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, and and keeping a to-done list like that, and I'm going to grill you on what kind of notebook in a second. Um, Of course. But uh, uh, is is actually really handy, especially for people with ADHD, because you feel like you're so scattered. You feel like you're everywhere, but you can look and you go, oh, I actually got shit done. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's been great. And um, I have all sorts of lists in it. You know, like (laughs) there's there's the dated list, like things that I've done, dishwasher. DockerCon prep talk, NS1 right. prep talk, you know, and oh, then there's on, like... She's coming to comment. <laughs> yes. Okay. You heard that? No. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, this microphone isn't as sensitive as the other. Ursula just came in, said, is that the two done list? I said, yes, and she said, absolutely, I endorse. Yay! So. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I also have other lists, like right. bills that I need to pay that aren't in my usual bill-paying thing, or right. 
I, I literally have a list for when I have time and things I want to buy because it turns out that being a grown up is just having a, a permanent wish list of things that you could, in fact, buy yourself right this second, but shouldn't. But shouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's it's a lectorum. I don't even know how we say that. Like term? 1917. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, it's the, is it the A6? It's the hand-sized one. So, it yeah, fits that's... in your jeans pocket and your hoodie pocket. A6, I think. Yeah. And I get the um, pen loop, and then I carry a Pilot Metropolitan uh, fountain pen because uh, I, I actually blame a conference organizer for getting me into fountain pens. <laughs> uh, but the Pilot Metropolitan is relatively well-behaved, even on like transatlantic flights, so... And also, if I lose it, which happens every once in a while, it's a $25 pen, and I'm not, you know, heartbroken. I, I bought the set with the black, um, with the black, I guess it's like alligator skin pattern mm-hmm. on it. And yeah, that was like 50 bucks for the pencil, the ballpoint pen, and the fountain pen. Yeah. See, and like, I, I lose things. Like, I once lost this book. This, this notebook also has a, Reward for return fifty dollars um, on the front flyleaf because it's my freaking life, and if I lose right. it, I'm not okay. But it has to fit in my hoodie pocket, or it, it doesn't really count as something that that I everyday carry. Yeah, because I mean, and that's I guess one of the challenges I'm finding now is, is uh, this past week I moved from A5 to U.S. letter size for my planner. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means it's a little harder to carry, but it's a lot easier to see. Oh man, I would I would like to file a complaint about this whole presbyopia bullshit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know. What? What? I never needed glasses. Oh, I've always needed glasses. It's just now I need a glass glasses with three different zones and trying to figure out which zone I need to be looking for for what thing based on where I'm sitting and distances. And it's just like, fine, I'm just going to get the big notebook. That seems like not the worst idea. Yeah. Uh, so other productivity things. Um, mm-hmm. Because I speak at conferences, they all have this lead time, which in olden times we would have used Gantt charts for. Like yes. at two weeks out, I need to do this. At one week out, I need to do this. At three days out, I need to do this, right? I have faked this up with Airtable, and Airtable is like my my sexy technology toy of the last five years because it's <laughs> it's what Microsoft Access wishes it could be. It looks like a spreadsheet. It behaves like a database, and it has so many nice like built-in features and uh, pre-done templates, and I yeah no. Uh, I, I have used it for work things. I have not used it for personal things. Yeah. So um, I really love it because I have to have, like, I will I will literally forget what conferences I went to and whether I've sent them, you know, all the things I need to send them. Um, and so if I put that all in a unified place and say, please replicate this for the next, you know, thing of that kind, then I don't have that cognitive load. Right, right, right. Uh, another thing I do, mm-hmm. so I find booking travel very stressful because I know about me and my ability to get the dates wrong, 
to forget the international dateline, to um, mix up AM and PM. All of these things uh, make it so that every once in a while I have just completely screwed up and and let somebody down. And I hate it. I hate it so much. It's a like, terrible thing. Yeah. So uh, I convinced my employer that a personal assistant for booking travel was a reasonable accommodation expense. Yes. So, and it is. It totally is. I have a personal assistant and I say to her, hey, you have all of my, you know, my airline numbers and my booking numbers. And we have, you know, a special last pass shared password that I can shut off for my credit card numbers. Mm-hmm. I need to be in these cities near these addresses at these dates. We've already discussed my preferences for like, please don't put me in the suburbs. I'm not getting a car. Right. You know, she knows all of this. And then every once in a while, I get amazing surprises. Like a couple years ago, I went to, um, not Burgundy, I went to France. Um, and it was, it was like November. There's nobody there. Right. Like wine, wine time is over. I ended up in this amazing chateau that had canvas tents on wooden platforms with little wooden stoves in them. It was it was the most glamping thing you have ever experienced. Like all the all the extremely chic galvanized bathroom fittings. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then and then like this giant fluffy linen covered bed and a little wood oh. stove. It was I spent like four days there because on my way to this I had been pickpocketed in the Paris subway, so I had like no cash. Right, right. Which was exciting. But um but I spent like Four days of like some of the most restful time of my life listening to rain on canvas while smelling wood smoke and not being able to go anywhere or do anything. Because, yeah. Oh, darn. Yeah, right? I'm like, <laughs> I sort of feel like I'm wasting my time in France, but I guess I just have to sit here and nap a lot. Terrible. And occasionally have wine and cheese? Yes. Oh, my gosh. French breakfast. Would you like some carbs with your carb sauce? It's great. I like... I. <laughs> Ursula was, I think it may be regional because Ursula was like, she found a place and it had um, pan au chocolat and yes. Americano. And she was like, this is fine. But like everything else was like, it was the wrong season. So it was all uh, bitter greens with mustard dressing. Oh, yeah. No, I got, yeah. I got pan au chocolat and regular croissant and fruit salad. And I'm just like, have you people heard of protein? Never mind. I'm fine. Fine. Bring me more orange juice. <laughs> yeah. Protein is for lunch. Evidently. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Personal. I, I Everybody talks about uh, some of the people, not everybody, but the people I've talked to who have personal assistants are just like over the moon about it. Uh, but I always run into the, this is something it's like, I'd like to. And then I look at what I do and what I need. And I'm like, that is just, not an expense um oh yeah so here's the thing and i'm not great about this like i would love to have a house cleaner and i've not made room in my budget for that and also at this point like i have elbow tendonitis problems so i can't very scrub very well and my wife is disabled and they're like right they're places that need scrubbing and i feel shame um and i feel like i need to hire some kind of specialist house cleaner for that like yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, 
Yeah, no, no, I, I, I understand completely. I mean, we, when we yeah. talked about it, it's like, but that's something rich people do. And, right. you know, so, but, uh, you know, the other people, you know, the people I've talked to on the show are like, look, you can have a specialist come in and do in one hour what it takes you four to do. Right, exactly. I heard that. That was Mary Kate. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, like, if you look at your hourly rate and their hourly rate, it makes sense to outsource. Oh, yeah. Uh, so especially for things that are toil, that are manual, repetitive, automatable, like everything that we said in the, the SRE workbook about what toil is, yep. that's the stuff that you want to either automate or offload so that you have more to Because I could spend half a day booking travel like this, double checking myself and being anxious. Mm-hmm. Or I can offload that to somebody that I pay $300 a month. Or your company pays $300 a yeah, month. Or my company pays $300 a month, which gets me, uh, she's pretty well paid. And it's yeah. like, it's like uh, 10 hours a month is plenty to take care of all of my travel needs. And uh, in the now times, I've had them doing a bunch of like uh, conversion work. Like, okay, please take all of these things and make them into blog posts. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, and for from the standpoint of your company, this is like a, a value because it means you're spending more time on actual company business and not on the toil things that they provide value, but not the same amount of value as you standing in front of people giving the talk. Exactly. And it's a really interesting trade-off. Like, what is a rich people perk and what is a spoiled tech people perk? <laughs> you know, like in the office, we had beautiful order a lunch. Like we we wouldn't pay for dinner. We never paid for dinner because we wanted people to go home, which I thought right. was a really humane stance. Um, but we would pay for lunch for everybody who was in the office. And it wasn't like Tuesday's pizza day or taco night or whatever. It was like pick one of these 40 entrees from like eight different restaurants because Oakland. Oh yeah, and and then we'd all sit down and eat together, which was like that right there is probably worth it to have that team communication on a you know casual scale. Yeah, and and you're a I I I seem to recall you're a much smaller team than say the company I work for now is, so it probably works out better. <laughs> yeah, like at some point it doesn't scale, and I think we're getting up to that point. So it'll be interesting to see if we do that when we come back. Um, but in the pre-pandemic times, we were still at like 110 people yeah. and not all of them local. So it worked. But the, it's a spoiled tech worker perk. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, nobody else's employees are getting free lunch. Like we don't give free lunch to teachers even. And it's cafeteria food. And it would be so easy, but yeah, that's that's definitely like Bay Area spoiled tech worker thing. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even imagine to see it here. Right. So when I'm thinking about employee perks, and it, it's like, what is, what is the employer value, and how do we trade that off, and how do we say this is a reasonable accommodation for my disability, right. and how do we say this is a reasonable, like a better use of your time and money. To, to pay somebody to do this, it depends a lot on your manager and on the culture of your company. 
Like, will your company buy you the expensive ergonomic keyboard without being jerks about it? Or do you have to fill out a form in triplicate and get an ergonomic review? We, we actually, uh, the company I work for actually has a list of recommended ergonomic things. And we have, because we are, we were remote before this whole thing, right? We were remote first. So we're mm-hmm. actually given uh, a bit of a budget for right. here is X amount of money to spend outfitting your home office that you can get reimbursed. Right. And I think that's the better way to do it. But there are certainly companies, and I think everybody has worked for them sometimes, where they're like, if you are not a human exactly like I am, I don't have any way to deal with you. Yes. Uh, and it is... Uh, it, I, I feel like watching the tech market and as companies are actually ad- adjusting to that and to... You know, the new normal. I'm putting that in air quotes. You can tell I'm putting that I, in air quotes. I can quotes, tell, right? yeah. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that they're having to, uh, there, there's like this, this whole thing around weight. These are things we could be doing that will make them, make people work better. And working better actually is to our advantage, not just. It's, you know, not just, well, we can't really afford that because we're not squeezing enough money out of you. Right. Right. And I sort of don't want to reward them for doing the right thing for capitalist reasons, but I guess we'll settle for it. (laughs) Some days it's I'll I'll take what I can get. Yeah. Uh, And like there are a bunch of things I hope we never lose. I hope we continue to have like doctors have one day a week of televisits. It's way less stressful. Oh, yeah. Uh, And uh, I mean... And while there are some people and some that are chomping at the bit to get back to work, um, there are also companies who are going, you know what? Uh, We can do a lot more with a lot less. Um, And I kind of feel sorry for, you know, all the people who own office buildings in, uh, well, out by you. Yeah. Um, We we literally were supposed to move in on March 15th to our brand new office building. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. You saw the story about the people who have to go in and like clean up. Yes. Before the, the realtor gets in because like, oh, everybody just left and didn't. Right. Know it's like those coming back. post-apocalyptic films or yeah, the thing that yeah. happened to me when I was in fifth grade and didn't realize that the last gifted day uh, before spring break was happening. And I left a half a cow brainstem in the locker. Wait, you left half a cow brain stem in the locker? Yeah. Yeah, that was really unfortunate for everybody. Okay, now we have to back up here. <laughs> so so in gifted class, we'd been doing dissections. Okay. I wasn't entirely done with taking apart the cow brain stem, so I thought, okay, I'll work on this tomorrow. Because lack of object permanence applies to calendars. There was no tomorrow for the next 10 days. <laughs> oh, no. And then we showed up, and the the it was not good. No, it was not good. I'm still working out that your your teacher let you leave the classroom with a with a brainstem. I'm just oh, the lockers were in the classroom. Okay, that's okay. not better. It's like well, no, but it that at least makes a little more sense because I'm just thinking like someone walking down the hall and like <laughs> you know the oh, lockers well, and yeah. Kevin, I grew up in 
the sticks. Like a variety of different sticks, but they were all the sticks. My dad was a, a hospital administrator for uh, rural hospitals. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like northern Idaho, eastern Washington, rural western Washington. Ooh. And I have this really vivid memory of like, it's 1992. I'm in high school. A dude walks in carrying a rifle and a dripping deer head in the other hand. And the principal, this is school is like 200 people. The principal looks at him and says, that's a nice rack, Chet, but you got to leave the rifle in the truck. <laughs> and not not the deer head. Like the deer head was legit to bring in and show off, although it was rude to drip on the ground. Right. Like, right. You know. But like, I guess there's some kind of arbitrary rule about carrying long arms in school. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would be about the year that that uh, that stopped being a a funny thing. Yeah, it started getting a little. People started getting a little a little twitchy about it. Yeah. Yeah, but it was just. I'm like, oh, truly. It, yeah. th- this is like the same year that I got a New Yorker subscription, and I was like, let me out, let me out, let me out. I can't live here anymore. I don't know what the city is like, but I need to go find out. Uh. Sorry, Orange Cat is just being demanding. Okay, fine. I will. I will hold you. No, you're gonna. <sighs> Orange Cat has needs. Yeah, those needs are about to be uh, cleaning my head around my bandana and the microphone and my headphones. So it's kind of exciting. Yeah, enlivening keeps you awake. Yeah. Uh, so to get us back on track, uh, we've we've talked about uh, how you keep organized, and we've talked about the systems and habits all in one. Um, is there anything else um, in that category? So I've been, I, I have a, a talk or possibly a series of talks cooking okay. um, about Lillian Moeller Gilbreth. Lillian Moeller Gilbreth, you've heard of her because she's the mom from Cheaper by the Dozen. Okay. Yes. Yes. The reason we should have heard of her is she's the person who invented the kitchen triangle. She was a revolutionary work efficiency expert. And she changed how we think about work and organization. Her and, I guess, Frank Gilbreth, I guess he did some things. But honestly, he dropped dead and she continued a 50-year career. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember reading the books about how they were they were actually like partners in it. They were actually partners. And like, and this woman, like the more I do research, the more I'm just like stunned because, uh, she's, she gets her first doctorate in psychology. No, she gets her first doctorate in English and they won't let her defend her thesis remotely because she's had three babies in the meantime and she can't make it back to California. Okay. Yeah. So she publishes it, but can't defend it. So like California University won't give her the the actual doctorate. And she's like, screw you. I'm going to do it here in the East Coast in Rhode Island. And she does a whole nother doctorate. I'm reading her doctoral dissertation right now on workplace efficiency in the classroom. Holy crap. And like I like a person wouldn't be excited about reading a doctoral dissertation, except Every once in a while, I've been live tweeting my reading with the uh, hashtag Thurbligs, which is Gilbreth <laughs> sort of backwards. Right. right. Um, 
And she's like, it's difficult to understand what a teacher's chair is for. It's not comfortable to sit in and it's not comfortable to work in. So unless the purpose is to keep the teacher on his feet, I can't imagine what it's for. But if the purpose is to keep the teacher on their feet, then it's great at that. (laughs) I'm like, the snark, ma'am. Wow. Right? So anyway, she talks a ton about having things laid out and Mm -hmm. doing what we would think of as um, cognitive slicing. Like the task of laying things out is different than the task of performing the action. And when I think about that, I I see it in all these places in my life, like mise en place. Yes, that was the first, my first thought. Right? You right. measure and set aside stuff, and then actually doing the cooking is much easier. Trying to integrate these two is a recipe for disaster and forgetting that you doubled the recipe. The salt. Yes. I always I, forget to double the salt. Oh. The worst thing. It's like tragic. Unless you're uh, unless you're using table salt instead of kosher salt, at which point you might actually not need to double. Right, but most right. recipes are still written for table salt. So yes. Uh, but like the whole thing. Um, and then I was I was listening to a talk by I think it's Adam Cuddy. Um, he's big in the Ruby community, and he talked about how when he was doing mentoring a bunch of students, the first thing he did was standardize the way they laid out their desktop. Like your debugger goes here, your email goes here, your IDE goes here. Because he noticed that not only did everybody set it up differently, people would allow the computer to randomize them. Like if one of them crashed, they'd just open it in the next place. Right. And then you spend all this time doing searching which the Gilbert said, the more time you spend searching for the way to finish your task, the the more fatiguing your task is. And I, this, this collided in my head in a super interesting way. So when I think about like systems of getting work done, I really look at the space and say, how can I cognitively slice this into more distinct like layout process achievement you know right uh i use it all the time when i'm sewing if i'm like and and quilting has sort of spontaneously delivered it uh not delivered uh discovered this like the the thing where you get spontaneous generation of ideas from really separate uh paradigms tells me that the idea is probably good So in quilting, this is called chain piecing. And instead of quilting an entire, you know, sewing piecing to to put together all the pieces one block at a time, what you do is you piece all of the half square triangles. You don't even cut between them. You just run them through one after another, one after another, because you're doing the same task. Right. And then you cut them and you do the next sub assembly for your block. So you don't get necessarily one block finished any faster, but you do get the whole finished faster. Because you're not having to stop and redo a triangle. Right. You don't have to stop and redo a triangle, and you don't have to think about what am I doing next. Oh, did I sew that on backwards? Right. Because you have placed them all in a way that you pick them up, slap them together, and it works. Yeah, uh, my mother is, I don't know if she's doing that. I know that she does the, I'm going to lay out everything and... 
then start putting everything together. So she'll have the entire quilt laid out on the floor before she even does the first stitch. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on what kind of quilt you're making, too. Like, there are some yeah. that don't lend themselves to that. But I thought it was so interesting when I was thinking about, like, because we work in software, people think that we're very artistic. Like, that's our, our myth about ourselves, that software is artistic and creative. We wish it was. <laughs> we wish it was. And the truth is that just like any other art, a ton of it is rote. It's not like preparing canvases is an exciting part of art. It's just a thing that has to get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or mixing the paints. Or mixing the paint. There's a bunch of things that go into every art form that are the boring part. But if you don't understand that boring part, your end product is not as good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So you don't have to do it every time. And if you can, you can either isolate it or make it more efficient. But if you look at the constituent parts of what you're doing and actually break them up and think about them rather than being reactive, uh, you do a lot better. And this is my... Like, uh, I'll sound like a coach now. This is my growing <laughs> edge for the year. <laughs> I really like talking to people. I like getting up on stage and talking to people. I like them talking to me afterwards. I find it very rewarding. I, I may be sympathetic or know people who are like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I find talking into the abyssal void of a web camera horrible because there's no reaction there's no nobody nobody laughs at my jokes it's just me and my eventual realization that i have to watch this myself and realize how bad it was so it's like all the things i hate most like self-criticism and uh refinement and repetition all of those are important to make a good video And my wife is a video producer. And so she wants to get me into this like very YouTube style, like things pop up on your screen and (laughs) and like none of your pictures are static. And why are you still using like fixed images in your slides? And like sometimes your face is there and sometimes it isn't. And like we've all seen these YouTube videos and they're very engaging. And yes. I have literally been having crying jags about them because it's so different to my way of working. Oh, yeah. I I just felt so insecure and, and incapable. And then I realized that at least part of my problem is I had been trying to do it all at once. I'd been trying to redo my studio. So my lighting was better and learn to do this new style of presentation and learn to write a script and learn to use a teleprompter and learn to do like different image sourcing and cut it all together. I was going to make her cut it together, but like, right. right, That was a lot of things. Too many things. Yeah. And if you're not the kind of person who is happy to sit there and go over the same 30 seconds of audio video to find that microsecond where you can make the cut to weave in the next segment, it can be frustrating. We've been married for 23 years, and the one talk that we did that way was the most trying part of our marriage in at least the last three. Because 
I was sitting there on the bed and she was doing video editing and she would just keep going over me saying something over and over again, the same thing, this oh, phrase, God. because she was trying to find the break and I could hear it and I hated my voice and also everything about the world and I just wanted to light it on fire and also hide under the bed. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So with my realization that I had been doing too much, we are now taking it in much smaller steps and and smaller steps than I could have managed before I traumatized myself because like right sincerely I traumatized myself um through no fault of hers I just did so like first step is set up studio quality lighting uh and for anybody doing video presentations I guarantee you unless you have spent a lot of money and or bought a bunch of shop lights, your lighting is not good enough. It's not your camera that is the problem. It is your lighting. Yeah. That's, that's from an old film hand. I, I was going to say, I was at a horror convention in the before times, and um, uh, uh, who was it? Um, she played the girl in The Exorcist. Now, why can't I remember her name? Yeah, her, um, um, who we all know. Yeah. Yes. Um, but... She had brought her own lighting rig <laughs> for photos genius. with fans. Yeah, no. And I mean it wasn't it wasn't fancy. It wasn't like a a big movie set level lighting. I mean it was just one of the the really nice very new at the time like ring lights. But mm-hmm. the difference it made in the photos, let alone any videos that we're taking is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh so that's my first step. We're going to Find a place to set up the lights so that they're not in my walkway when I'm trying to do other work. And then the next step is to figure out how to set up the teleprompter. And then the next step is to try and actually write a script instead of ad lib it like I usually do. Because it turns out the reason they can do all those cuts is because they have repeated audio capture. Which I didn't realize. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we don't like this take. Next. Right. Oh, we have four versions of you saying that. Okay, we can we can cut those together. Um, somehow I had not made that connection because I'm so used to live delivery and what you've said is what you've said. Just deal with it. So, but yeah. breaking a task up into its separate cognitive parts—that's my my big productivity thing that I want to leave you with because. Almost everything looks impossible if you understand how complicated it is to do it at once. I I, I don't know if you've been keeping up, but we just I just wrapped uh, 21 days of productivity in 2021. I did. I saw that. And uh, one of the the ones I did was on breaking big tasks into smaller ones, because everybody wants to take that they're just like here's this big thing and I am going to get it done, and then everyone everyone just falls down because there's it's it's too big mm-hmm. right and we we do it with our uh like the common example for everyone is um you know when the best time to buy sports like home gym sports equipment is february oh, or march yeah. yeah when everybody was like i'm gonna make these big changes and exercise and exercise and then after a month and a half they're like things just sitting here taking up space because you went too big mm-hmm you know, like even my tattoos and I have some really big tattoos and like 
Christy and I will look at each other and I'll just be like, yeah, no, fill that entire arm. Go big or go home. But I don't sit there for the entire, you know, 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. You know, two hours here, two hours there, you know, hour and a half coloring. You know, if, if it, it would be, it's not, I'm not going to say it's impossible because I know people who have just been like, I have one shot to get this one big piece from this one artist. So I'm going to sit there for the 12 hours. More power to you. Yeah. I don't need to prove that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's great for you. But, and yeah. it turns out that almost every task is decomposable. And I think a lot of the reason we don't do that is because the work of decomposing a task is in itself work. Yes. Which we haven't scheduled. And yet, there are always spaces where we can find it find the time to do it we just don't want to we'll procrastinate no. oh no it's super that kind of creative work at the very start of a project feels very intimidating and decomposition is really creative because you have to think yeah. about what this thing is made up of and when you're doing it it doesn't feel like you're doing work it feels like you're putting off work right yes. you want to dive in and get your hands dirty with whatever it is and instead you're sitting here trying to figure out how to break it into smaller pieces. That's not real work. Right. And so I made fun of bullet journaling, but this is actually <laughs> like the the layouts and spreads. Those are entirely and exactly decomposing the things that you have to do for a month yeah, or a week. And it's looking at your schedule and being realistic about how many little blocks you can color in. Oh, if you yeah. have a lifestyle that enables you to predict what's going to happen in your life, I bet it works great. I I know people who swear by it. I tried it, and then, you know, um, it was, yes, all right, I have this time. Oh, nope, I've got a Goats, incident. Shepherds, oh, cats, artists. Yeah, artists, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I'm on call, so incident, incident. Wait, I'm not getting anything done. Um, yeah. Uh, so I have a theory that there are people who run better to schedule and people who run better to interrupt base. And we yeah. all have to do some of both. But the people who run better to schedule set their lives up to be like that. They get up and do the same thing every day because their lives work better that way. I wake up in the morning and read my email and decide what my most emergent thing is and um, when I have to get out of bed and stop doom scrolling. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm usually stuck with, uh, okay, what time is the first meeting of the day? And that sometimes right. informs that choice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I learned a hard lesson last week. I did a conference for some people in uh, – Russia, and then I did a thing for an EU group, and I was, I was doing like people facing stuff at 3 a.m. on Tuesday and 6 a.m. on Friday, and um, I thought that's not so bad. I do that all the time. Like I catch flights like that all the time, and I'm like, oh wait, you remember how the doctor said that my migraines are caused by alcohol and jet lag, and you can only <laughs> fix one of those. <laughs> It turns out that giving up alcohol doesn't make you like immune to jet lag if you induce it yourself like a dumbass. 
Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm familiar with self-induced jet lag and um yeah, whether or not you have migraines, it sucks. Have migraines triggered by it is going to make it suck twice as bad. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, the worst part of having a migraine that you've done to yourself is like lying there and going, wow, I want to throw up and also kind of die, and I did this to myself. It sounds like every time I've had a terrible hangover. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you just want to go beat up past you. However, past you is extremely evasive and has gone on to book the next stupid hour flight. Oh, yeah, no, past you is... This is all past me does is book things at bad times. Yeah, no, past you is evasive like the flash on crack. Yeah. Yeah. First wow, time. I can't believe I came up with that one just on the fly. Um, okay. <laughs> Although I guess it it's slobber if you don't congratulate yourself on air. Yeah. Well, I, I and then I start to think, like, this is how long I've been living with her. So then I start to think, well, now, is crack really the, the reference? Is it crystal meth now? Is it, you know, I know. I, maybe it depends on where you're at. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like speed, uh, regional, yeah. Because you can't say faster than the flash on speed. Yeah, no, because that doesn't make sense. Uh, no, I mean it does, but no, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have both diverged now. Um, <laughs> so what does your typical day look like? <laughs> uh, do you want a before times day or a now day? Um. Which is let's let's do a now day because the before times day it looks like isn't going to be another year I think again for maybe November yeah. yeah yeah all right so a now day mm-hmm. uh, I have looked the night before to see if I have any meetings before 10 a.m. right right okay probably I don't because everybody on my team is on the west coast and so what happens is I will roll out of bed at like nine-ish and uh, wander upstairs and make myself some toast and sit in the daylight. This is especially important in in the winter Mm -hmm. because the day star is not a thing. Um, And read my email and fail to respond to any of it and read my social media. Legit, this is why I can't give up Twitter because social media is a huge part of my job. Yeah. Yeah, paying attention to these things. And uh, then go through and read the tabs that I have bookmarked um, from the social media. Not bookmarked, but like opened. I'm like, oh, I should read that article. Uh, by now, it's like 11. And I'll go downstairs and I'll start having uh, meetings, which are frequently meetings about like, what are we doing? I, I just recently got moved to the marketing team, which is super interesting because now I get to learn all of the marketing dark arts. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are a lot. This is the thing that I think is so interesting about doing uh, tech writing and developer relations and all of these sort of uh, bridging jobs yeah, yeah. is that you get to learn a lot of different parts of the company. So marketing dark arts is like, how do we do a good SEO article? What makes a good SEO article? How do you promote it? Okay, well, how do you track it? Okay, how do you track the listenership of a podcast? Yeah, that is, as I can tell, it's impossible. Uh, it depends. Uh-huh. He says, as someone who, um, I I actually do occasionally pay attention to my listening numbers, mm-hmm. and so I know there is 
a core, right? That right. down downloads every single episode on release day. Yes. Right. That's that's about I want to say uh, a fifth to a quarter of my listenership. Mm-hmm. And then that I have a longer tail on the rest of, uh, which usually runs maybe a month. Um, but I mean, like, you know, we're four, I'm four years into this, so I have almost four years of data to, to look at, um, except Libsyn changed their, their, their metric system like three years ago and it got weird. And anyway, um, right. But like, you know, how do you track it across like the Apple and Stitcher and like the different podcast apps? And so, Oh, Libsyn collects all that. Ooh, good to know. Yeah. I'm going to go look that up because we actually pay extra. (laughs) I don't, uh, it's other people's money. I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay VC money to have numbers so that VCs continue to give me money. Yeah. We, we can talk Libsyn after we're, we're done with the rest of the, yeah, no. Yes. So I'll, I'll go to like a meeting and a marketing meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, then in the afternoon, I'll start working on uh, what talks am I going to new, do next? What blog post am I working on? What uh, like LaunchDarkly is launching a new podcast uh, called Unexpected Consequences. Um, <laughs> and it's just about like, oh, scale. Turns out strange things happen at scale. Who knew? Uh, everybody who's ever done scale. Right. But they're all different strange things, right? So Never the same one twice, it feels no, like. No. Then we could learn from them. Or we do learn from them and we patch it and it springs a hole in another place. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I can plan for all the scale for everything that went wrong at my last company and have a entirely new set of scaling problems at the company I'm at. Exactly. Now. Yeah. You know Australians find the phrase uh, "black swan event" super funny because all their swans are black. <laughs> I will I will ask about that one. That's funny. It is funny. Yeah. Uh, but so I'll I'll go to some marketing meetings. Uh, you know what are we doing with this conference? Um, I will write articles for third party publications, which is actually one of my favorite things to do right now because uh, these these organizations are so specific and they send me a list of questions and I just get to be, uh, I call it the crazy futurist hat. So they'll send me a list <laughs> of questions about like, how do you think the pandemic has changed healthcare? And I'm like, well, sit down. We're going to talk about what telehealth actually means and what it doesn't mean and what needs to happen and how we're going to handle medical records in the future. Because it turns out I really believe that people should be in charge of their own medical records, which means that we need to have a portable format, which should be open sourced. Thank right? you. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, we should be able to own our own medical records. This seems intuitive to me as a patient. And. The only way you can own your own medical records right now is to have a very large paper collection. Right. So anyway, people will ask me these questions and then I get to have crazy futurist hat and, and write what I think should happen. And uh, so I'll have, I, I probably have an average of like three or four meetings a day. Um, and the rest of my time is peopling. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Nope, it's like I, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. It's like one-on-one meetings with other people that I'm mentoring or being mentored by. 
going on a DevOps game show, pod, or not podcast, of <laughs> Twitch stream, right? DevOps party games. It's it's a legit thing. We all sit around and make fun of Kubernetes incessantly. Um, nice. Oh, it's it's amazing. It's I mean, I say so who shouldn't, but it's super funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, like, am I going to go to this conference? Am I going to actually respond to the email where people ask me to submit to a conference? Um, frequently, the answer is no, because the deadline has already gone by because I delayed. Um, yeah, that's why I don't put deadlines on my invitations. I know how how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of interrupt based things. And I very seldom sit down and do deep work unless I have a deadline for that deep work bearing down on me in the next week. Right. In which case, I will clear everything off my schedule and be like, no, I can't go to a meeting about the conference that's in six months. Uh, sorry, you'll have to do without me this time. Uh, and then I will walk away from my computer and do things in longhand uh, because people can't get to me. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, the only other thing to do would be to just be like, okay, and now I've turned off my Wi-Fi. Yeah. 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 People, I, I know a bunch of people who used to do work on planes and really miss working on planes. I'm like, I'm never smart enough to work on planes. I felt super vindicated when I saw this study that says that we are all slightly hypoxic on planes. Like, we're just a little low on blood oxygen. Just a little. Um, which is also why we cry at the movies. Like, oh, really? if you've ever watched a, a, a movie on the back of an airplane seat and cried so and thought, why am I crying? The answer is, you have mild hypoxia. It's okay. And having also experienced much more extreme versions of hypoxia, um, yeah, I would I would rather have the airplane side effects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I never work on airplanes. Uh, they, are, they are paying me already, uh, and I will read a stupid book or watch a movie or take a nap. I've watched a lot of movies on airplanes, yeah. I, I love watching action movies on airplanes. I don't know why. And knitting. I think it's it's the... I really enjoy the cognitive jolt of the number of people who tell me, oh no, ma'am, this is the first class line, and I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and because, uh, it, for, for the listeners who don't know, I am a natural pink. My hair is always something between purple and fuchsia. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. And uh, so they, they're they like, who is this this punk-ass middle-aged woman? I'm extremely confused. And then I get out my knitting, and they grow more confused. And then I watch some kind of, like, ultra-violent gore fest, and their brains just sort of short <laughs> out. I, I have to be careful about the ultra-violent gore fests because... I'll be like, oh, yeah, here it is. This I've really wanted to see this movie, and here's my chance to watch it uh, without, you know, having to pay for it, like buy it on, on whatever. And there's like a, a five-year-old behind me. Right. This is, this is the advantage of being me. There is never a five-year-old in first class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even business class or, like, uh, frequently not even in Comfort Plus. Once in a while, you get a, a five-year-old in Comfort Plus. Or if you're, you're in the last line of Comfort Plus and the economy's directly oh, yeah. behind you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but most of the time, <laughs> small children are no longer my problem while flying, and I have to say it's super relaxing. 
This is yeah, a- there's there's a reason I keep saying we can can we at least get comfort plus? Do we have to yes. always go economy? Okay. The difference in how I arrive at a place is definitely worth the thirty to fifty dollars because I'm five ten and you are taller and I just do not function well when I've been pretzeled. You uh, we flew economy to South Africa and Botswana. Oh, that's not okay. That was yeah, that was that was that was uh, <laughs> painful. And and I mean, you know, it wasn't like you know, I mean, that's the big transcontinental, uh, not transcontinental, but you know, like right. we're talking, you know, seven four seven grade here. This is mm-hmm. a comfortable airplane by most standards. Uh, it's just that, like, if I were going from Raleigh to Chicago on that airplane, it would be the lap of luxury. Uh, right, that, but yeah, mm, no, no. But so yeah, I I also watch comedies, and again, the the slight inhibition lowering uh, effects i watched the hustle um the the con artist one where the two women are con artists um, oh oh i haven't watched that one yet oh my god i laughed so hard and the dirty looks i got were so intense and i'm like but anne hathaway i was uh, uh we were on our our flight back from china and they had um the one with Kate McKinnon and and uh, Mila Kunis. Um, the spy, um, spy. I don't. My yeah, like the spy who dumped me. Right. And it was hysterical, and the movie system crapped out with like an no. hour left in it. <laughs> That's not okay. So I, I actually wait for it to hit Netflix. I'm just like, oh god, oh finally it's here. I can finish the movie. <laughs> yeah, I I actually frequently watch on my iPad uh, because I don't um, trust the in-flight systems to not do that. That is an option. I'm usually I'll have the movie or music going from the airplane, and I'll have like a, a book or like a portable game or something on my my iPad. Um, yeah. Occasionally, I think I read. Um, a large chunk of Narbonic, the webcomic Narbonic, uh, mm-hmm. on airplane flights to and from uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. That'd do it. Oh, here's another productivity thing back on mm-hmm. track. I don't fly with a laptop. I don't travel with a laptop anymore. Oh, really? Nope. I have figured out that 100% of the things that I need to do while I am on the road are possible with an iPad and a keyboard. Okay. I present from it. Mm-hmm. I uh, live tweet from it. I can write like Google Docs is sufficient under yeah. the day for for taking notes and writing things up. And uh, I have Slack and uh, Confluence in so much as anybody ever has Confluence. Fair. And so because I don't do programming or development or anything that requires any kind of heavy compute. Yeah, yeah iPad is fine. So I think it's interesting to like stop and think about our tools and say like what is it I actually do and what do I need for that? Like yeah, I've been... I got a new Mac for my home office because I'm like this this Mac that I selected for being 13 inches when I started this job 3 years ago, uh, I think I wrote my IT guy and said my computer is not strong enough. <laughs> with a K and enough, you know, in yeah, yeah. internet style. And he said, what would be stronger? 
yeah. But like, I have to be able to do some video processing, and MacBook Air is not it. Well, that was the thing. Like, I have this. I, I mean, I, I'm literally on the 2019 MacBook Pro i9 with all the disk and RAM and all that stuff, and this thing is a beast, right? Mm-hmm. And I, it's what I record on. It's what I do. Like, this is my personal laptop, and the more I've I've been looking, the more I'm like, I don't need that when I'm, like, upstairs watching TV with Ursula. I don't need that when I travel. When I travel, I'm not doing recording or editing or any of that stuff, and the new, and then I'm hearing reports about the new air and drooling, so... Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the like the old air might not cut it, the new one might. <laughs> the new one might. It does seem pretty attractive. Yes. But so here's but, the yeah. interesting anyway. thing. Why do we need beefy laptops? What if desktops? What if desktops? What if de- what if enough ports for my microphone, my webcam, my light, my uh, what do you call it? The little thing that's keys, that Stream Deck. Yes. The little thing that's keys. You can. I tell don't actually that... have one of those. It's it's. I I haven't needed one, but I'm not doing video or live. Yeah. But like, what if I had enough things to plug all of those into without having two different USB hubs dangling off my laptop, which I literally haven't opened in three weeks. Uh, that's uh, my my work laptop lives in a vertical hinge dock. Mm-hmm. I I think it's been out of that hinge dock twice. Um, the first was when I went to uh, we had an engineering all hands in Toronto and it went with me, and the other was when I was at our you know new hire orientation week. Right. Like why? Yeah. Oh. And I think it's because for so many of us a laptop was so cool and so liberating coming from like desktop landia. But especially in the now times, maybe that's not what we need. Yeah. Like when, cause I know it's going to happen, right? When uh, we're looking at the next round of traveling to conventions and things like that, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely something I have to look at. Like, okay, what do I need what does my my travel kit look like as compared to my daily kit? In the before times, my daily kit was my travel kit. Right. Right? But in the after times, do I need the laptop that, you know, uh, I can use to hold down a tent in a windstorm? (laughs) Right. And also to keep you warm at night. Right. In the whole tent. Uh. Or hotel room, although tent was something that I did not take my laptop to China. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. No, um, no, we don't do that. That's no. mm, that's poor infosec. Matter of fact, I when when we got home, my this phone I had taken with me, it got turned off until I could get it home and basically turn it on long enough to erase it. Yep. Yep. And uh, I realized that to a lot of people, we will sound paranoid. Um, and maybe yeah. we are. Maybe but we I are. would rather be paranoid than hacked. Yes. 
No, I'm I'm there with you. Yeah. That's why I have the travel when I leave the country phone and the the rest of the time phone. Yes. I've thought about doing it with different SIM cards, but uh haven't haven't gotten around to that yet. It's amazing how many different countries you can go to with a, a, an American phone, despite the fact that we are in the dark ages. Uh, it's interesting. I was on Google Fi mm, for a long Google time. Google Fi is a great way to do that, yeah. Yeah, um, but since our primary character is T-Mobile, a.k.a. Deutsche Telekom, mm. you know, I, I, like, I'm watching Ursula, and she's like, yep, it's fine, and I'm like, oh, I don't need to have this weird... I mean, Fi is a really good service for that sort of thing, but Ursula's like, yes, we're in Dublin and my phone works now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. So you uh, you don't need... You just need an iPad and a, and a keyboard. Do you use the mouse with the new iPad desktop-y thing, or...? Nope. Is it all touchscreen? Uh, I have an Apple Pencil. Okay. Um... But uh, I mostly use the touch screen if I'm navigating around. Or, you know, because I have a keyboard, I can alt-tab. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very uh, very few things on the iPad need a mouse. Yes. I mean, so. I, I do hope that uh, Google Slides gets ported more effectively. Like, if there's anything I, I would complain about, it's that the Google Slides port is broken and is missing some key features like master slide. Oh uh, god. Right. But yeah. like my my use case is maybe not like a hundred percent the most normal. <laughs> I'll be honest, I if I'm doing like the fancy show Bodhi presentation, I'm likely to do it in Keynote. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, uh, I, I learned all the key... You know how some people are like the uh, the PowerPoint wizards and can make PowerPoint like... Sit up and turn, beg, yeah. Yeah, and turn backflips at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was what I was learning to do with Keynote. Ooh. Um, and then it's like, oh, I need to share my slides with people who aren't... Um, me. Me. <laughs> yeah, so I better... Uh, let's, let's... But I, I haven't... I haven't learned how to make uh, Google slides do backflips while balancing the treat on their nose yet. Yeah, it's a matter of time. Well, no, it's a matter of intention, right? Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about advice. Okay. Uh, What is the best advice you have been given or and would give someone else? Um, So the best advice I have been given... Probably my mom when she taught me not to freak out. I'm like, I have so much to do and everything's so overwhelming and I just cannot handle everything. And she's like, what do you have to do in the next five minutes? Okay, do that. Then come back and we'll talk about what you have to do in the five minutes after that. Right. And that that super calm, like... Stop trying to see the entire forest and look at the tree you're about to run into is so influential for how I parent and how I live. Right. Like, what is the thing I have to do now? Okay, I'm going to do that. And sometimes that's like get things in place for the next thing. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But uh, stop freaking out and do something instead of being paralyzed. 
Yeah, what's the little thing you can do to move it forward instead of trying to do all of it at once? Right. Right. And, man, when I had toddlers, both, like, I wouldn't tell a toddler that, but, like, when I had toddlers and you're sitting there and the baby is, the the little one has managed to somehow poop all the way up into their hair, and the other one is sticking a Cheerio up his nose, and you're just, like, the doorbell's ringing, and it's somebody whose good opinion you care about, and you're you're just like, uh, I can't. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Why Why are they like that? I don't know. I don't know. Why Why is it that the person who has been blowing you off for six weeks shows up unannounced the day that's right? happening? Yes. You're yeah. just like, oh, I see how that goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and it turns out that they never care as much as you think they do, but it doesn't matter. Uh, occasionally I've, I've had one show up and be like, oh, my goodness, and, um, you know, just rolling with it because they were, you know, they're like a parent or a grandparent. And they're like, all right. Yeah. Do you need me to hold the baby while you go hose yourself down in the backyard? Because I'll do that. Right. Those people are precious in the world, and, and we should treasure them. Oh, yeah. And I think the best piece of advice that I could give mm-hmm. is... Learn to love the way your brain works and stop trying to make it work like somebody else's brain. Um, there was a Twitter thread, and I'm still writing the blog post in response to this, but it's like <laughs> I, everyone is telling me all these things about ADD, and I feel really broken, and I hate my brain that it's like this. And I'm like, oh, baby, no, your brain is magical and wonderful, and you are probably way better at like big picture thinking than a lot of people. And you're way better at drawing like strange connections between two things. And like, there's a lot of things that your neurodiversity gives you. You just have to play to those strengths. Right. And not try and be who they told you you should be when you were growing up, when you were in school, when somebody told you not working up to potential. Oh, those magic words. Right? And, like, I can totally understand how frustrating it must have been to be a teacher and look at this bright kid who is, like, drawing on their arms and staring out into space and not paying attention to the thing that you know they need to pay attention to. I can see how that would be really frustrating, but also, like, saying not living up to potential isn't saying, why aren't you do like, what's your blocker? Right. I say this all the time. What's your blocker? Like, hey, you appear to have completely stalled on doing this thing that I need you to do. What's your blocker? Gee whiz, it sounds like you might actually, you know, uh, have done agile development of some sort in the (laughs) past. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, my first agile development was actually extreme programming. Oh, God. Right? So I've now precisely dated myself for those who know, but I think there are some things that we skipped when we moved from extreme programming to agile and we shouldn't have like user stories i think actually so it it often depends on how you're doing agile yes there's a whole bunch of people who are just like Agile means we can throw everything to the wind, and if it doesn't fall into one of these four categories specifically outlined in the Agile Manifesto, then we're not doing it. Right. Um, and then there's the extreme other end of it, 
which is we are enterprise Scrum. Here are the specific steps we are doing with Scrum. We have a precise sprint cycle. Here are all of the rituals we will observe and at what times. It's like they're high priests ringing the bell at a specific time. Yep. Um, and uh, were you there at that first All Things Open? Not the first one, no. Sadly for uh, me. Uh, uh, Andy, now I can't remember his last name. Pragmatic Programming Andy. Mm-hmm. Stood up on stage because, you know, he was one of the authors. He was one right. of the signatories. And he stood up there and he says, my biggest regret about it is that no one has been agile with agile. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. We, it's we took open it source. Yeah. Adapt, flow. It, that's what it's supposed to be. And um, he was telling me about a place where, where – because he consults, right? Mm-hmm. Um he uh, he he had gone to a place and they opened every every uh, I guess scrum of scrums with a reading from the Agile Manifesto. Oh, oh I would die. And um, and then you know how how it what it meant and how it was you know and 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 yeah he was not. I, no, I, I would be displaced too if people had misunderstood my my whole thing that much. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 a thing. So I just thought it was funny because now I see like somebody coming in with the robes and a scroll that is specifically the Agile <laughs> Manifesto. I mean, we can't rule that out. Yeah, well, this is true. This is true. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so like there are some really great questions that Agile brought us. Right. What is the smallest unit of value? What is your blocker? Yeah. What is oh, yeah. it that done will look like? That's what the whole unit testing thing is about. What is your definition of done? And that's, that is the interesting thing is because that is often like the definition of done maybe 15 iterations down is where the user story ends up not just what ticket got the most points amongst our developers or users this this sprint. Right. Right? But, like, if you write a test to it, it's a lot easier to accomplish it. Yes. Test-driven development, I believe, is what they call it these days. I've, I've heard that, but I don't know. It sounds pretty newfangled, so I'm reserving judgment. <laughs> this is a joke, people. I promise. Yeah, really? Really, it is. It is, and, and I, I'm laughing because, yeah, it's it's so true. <laughs> it's it's all the same methodology repackaged in different names, but from different people every ten years. I swear. Well, and the thing about reading the Gilbreths is right? you can see where the Toyota method came from. Oh, really? Yeah, you can like. Oh, wow, that sounds super familiar. Where have I seen that before? Oh, my God, this is the start of, you know, like the Gilbreths and Charles Taylor of Taylorism were in dialogue doing productivity (laughs) at the same time. And they thought that Taylor was kind of an asshole because he was very much about (laughs) productivity without people. Uh, Yeah. They're like, uh, you know this whole fatigue thing makes more sense if we include like human factors. It may be, maybe human maybe. factors are important. Yeah. Maybe. And he's like, yeah. what if, what if we just maximize for capitalism? And they're like, Oh, 
that's that's not no. Yeah. Maybe but, no. But yes, but no. Um, but <sighs> but you look at like early twentieth century industrial design and psychology, and yeah, you're like, yeah. this is what we taught Japan when we were rebuilding them. Mm-hmm. And then we went over to Japan and we're like. The Toyota method, it's magical and and our Orientalism is just like scraped across this in oh, yeah. a horrifying way. The, 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 I would love to see a paper on the Orientalist um and and imperialist perspective of Agile and Kanban. And uh, and I think I would really love it if somebody would just shoot tiny painful blow darts at everyone who names their coding lessons dojo. Oh God, yeah. Right? I'm like, right? that means a specific thing, and why are you using it? This is my coding dojo. I will teach you to be a ninja of the Kanban method. Right? It it. it and I just want to take them out back and punch them. Yeah, I'm not okay with it. But yeah. anyway, that's that's a side thing. But looking at all of this, I'm like, oh, oh, I totally see where this is all coming from, and it's all like industrial psychology. Yeah. And and Taylorism won in a lot of ways. And now we're trying to walk that back, but we keep forgetting that the reason it's different is because it's so human centered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there are still attempts to wedge the human centered or not wedge human centered wedge tailor into it, tailorism into human centered things constantly oh yeah yeah like the whole idea of like what is a story point it, they shouldn't be constant and you shouldn't be able to estimate against them right you're wrong and you should feel wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can well, tell Kevin usually a lot gets of yeah <laughs> Kevin usually gets five points done, so we're going to give him five points worth of stuff. What if I'm what if I'm off that? You know, what if I've got two days off that week? Like, yeah. what if there's like a an insurrection? Do do I get extra days off for insurrection? Right? I would like to know. Asking for a friend. Oh yeah, best end of day updates in our group. I think for the remainder of that week. Just like yeah, anyone in the yeah anyone in the U.S. We're just like. Yeah, we didn't get shit done for like three days, and all of our managers were like, "It's fine." We didn't either. So yeah, we we were watching in horrified fascination. So that seems fine. Yeah, yeah. But Here. I think, yeah, you know. Yeah. It, it. But you know that somewhere in this godforsaken country, somebody was called in to explain why their team's velocity was slower than usual. Yes. And I, I weep for the society we've become where that is happening. Yes. If you work there, get a new job. I promise there are a lot of people hiring. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Quite a lot. Um, even, even we're hiring slowly, but we're hiring. Yeah. You know, Kevin, you never say who you work for. I, I don't. And there's, there's reasons for that. Um, I just thought I'd point that out, that it makes it the hiring pitch slightly less compelling. I work for Elastic, ladies and gentlemen, and others <laughs> that are out there. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's a great place to work, and I really enjoy it. And I have said in the past that I work for Elastic. I just try to not make that the center of 
the discussion. Yes. Just, yes. you know, when recruiting, it's useful to mention. That's true. Yes. Yes. So, yes, go elastic.co. We have. Maybe you'll find something that you like. <laughs> anyway. So let's talk about failure and success. Are you ready to talk about failure and success? Oh, Kevin, do you know how many how many talks I have on failure and success? I, I think I've seen at least two. Yeah, I think I have a total of four now. I love failure and success. <laughs> Please let me talk about failure and success. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about failure. This is this is the personal thing, and that is how do you deal with failure or missing a goal? Well, First, there's the immediate self-loathing reaction, uh, and I just have to ride that one out. There isn't anything that I've found that makes that more mitigated. Um, the way that I pull out of it is uh, putting things in perspective. I'm like, well, yes, I did, in fact, have a terrible audio recording for that thing that had 500 attendees, um, but they didn't all immediately drop off. So probably it wasn't as bad as I'm imagining it. And maybe I should uh, get over myself. And like, at no point should you think I should eat this because there are starving children in Africa. That is not the point. Right. The point is maybe your cosmology is too egocentric and you should, you know, dial it back a bit. Nobody, nobody wants a speaker to fail Nobody is reading your article. Well, okay, no, sometimes people do hate read articles, but like they're dedicated haters and they could just be over there. There's a, yeah, no, I, 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 for dedicated haters, I follow the, um, oh God, what was, why am I not being able to do names tonight? That's the uh, question. Because they're stored in a different part of our brain, which I learned the other Quite, day and I'm super fascinated by. That would, that would certainly do it. Um, God, uh, but uh, the, the, Stand-up comedian who was talking about that if you have three haters today, then, you know, you should have four tomorrow because it is a hater's job to hate. It's true. Right? So, as, yeah. as the bard Taylor Swift has taught us. Right. Yes. So, but I don't have that many haters. I'm pretty lucky. Uh, so once I get over my self-loathing and put it into perspective, if it's something where I have genuinely hurt someone, which is the failures that I care about most, or let someone down, or like, God forbid, have been unprofessional, right. um, I go and compose my three-part apology. Three-part apology is really important. It says, here's what I did wrong. I am sorry I did that to you. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm going to do to do better in the future. And without all three of those parts and actually trying to do all of them, um, apologies aren't as good. So if you think about it, like when you're a kid and your mom hauls you up by your ear and makes you apologize to your sister for biting her <laughs> and you're like, I'm sorry, my teeth didn't go deep enough. Um, that is not what we call a genuine apology. No. Because it, it's not recognizing the impact that you had. Um, With kids, that's so hard to teach, right? It's so hard to teach because they're like, 
basically all of parenthood is is attempting to civilize people into being able to pretend like they don't want to bite other people and it's it's rough going because honestly we all kind of do but we try I might have called my children at one point. They're running around outside like little heathens. Uh-huh. And my mother was like, um, yeah, that's that sounds about right. <laughs> well, all yeah. right, then. Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> oh, from the time my kids were, like, born until they were about uh, 11 or 12, I'd call my mom up about once a week and go, hey, Mom, you know that thing that I did when I was, you know, that age? I'm sorry. You just laugh at me. Laugh and laugh. And laugh and laugh. Right? This very unkind laughter. You'd think you would get some some sympathy from your mommy, but no. No. Mm -mm. Well, (laughs) this is the same person who, when I was having the kidney stone, was just so matter-of-fact about, did you throw up yet? (laughs) No. You will. Thanks, Mom. Like, in that tone, you will. Yeah, you will. I I know your doom. It is coming for you. Yeah, yeah. By the way, it was Cat Williams. Cat Williams is the comedian with the haters. Yeah. So uh, after that, or if it isn't something (laughs) that hurt other people, uh, I'm I'm a big uh, medication by a mental abstraction person. So I'll go do something that has, in the technical term, flow for me. Um, Okay. The number one place that I think people find flow, this doesn't work for me, but a lot of people find flow, is playing free cell. There's a reason free cell is so popular and it engages just enough of your brain that you're not necessarily processing on like the verbal level, but not so much of your brain that you're not still working on things on the underlayer. See, I like spider for that. Right. But like solitaire is, is like a thing. Um, I played a lot of Stardew Valley. Uh, honestly, for me, it's it's two dots, and more recently, fishdom. Two dots, man. Yeah. Thank God, two dots has limited lives because otherwise, I would have lost my entire professional career to it. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. it's sinister. Although every so often, I'll get on one of their expedition, not expeditions, <gasps> but the, uh, the the free hour. It's no good. No, no, the, the, they have the one where you're, you have to collect so many to go to the next one, to go to the next one. To oh, go yeah. To the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, every so often I'll have like a, a 600 dot run. Right. Like once every six months. And that's when it's like, I just, I can't stop making everything collect just right. But I've been doing this for an hour and now I, I want to stop, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that, but I think almost everyone, uh, video games is a very easy one. Some people yep. use uh, knitting, something that is just engaging enough that you can sort of process through your feelings. Hmm. And I will, I will never shame someone for that. In fact, there's been some really interesting research that says uh, that Tetris is basically uh, a hack of EMDR therapy that they use for PTSD. Interesting. Right. I'm not saying if you have PTSD, you should just play a lot of Tetris and you will get better. Let's be clear on that. 
No, I am saying that there are some studies that that show it has similar effects sometimes. Sometimes. If you have the right brain. If you have the right brain and if your PTSD is, you can't get it treated in some more conventional way. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. All right, flip side. Okay. Do you celebrate your successes, and if so, how? I do. And um, maybe not always as much as I should, but the to-done list is a big part of it. Um, I will sometimes go through and put, like, sparkle highlighter on things I'm especially proud of. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, but uh, when I get a keynote, I -hmm. buy myself a present. Oh. Uh, I buy a fancy fountain pen or I look at my list of things that I want to buy. I think my next one is uh, a Shimano Alphine 11 speed internally geared hub for my bike, for my trike. Okay. But you know, it, it's, it's expensive enough to feel like a real accomplishment. Right. 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 That's the important thing. And I have sufficient disposable income to make that work and I budget for it. Um, oh, yeah. This is especially useful if people will pay me for appearances. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in that case, if I get paid for appearances, I get half the money to my personal account and the other mm-hmm. half goes to like the family account. Right. right, 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 right. And uh, if something is in my personal account, I can spend it however I want. It's my money. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Which is, I yeah. think, an important thing in, in relationships is to have money that you can spend without accounting. It is. It is. And, um, uh, like, as second timers, like, um, Ursula and I both made the decision that we never wanted to have to disentangle our finances from another person again as long as we live. <laughs> that is very fair. It is. A, like, I think... The actual process of getting divorced and signing the papers was easier than untangling, like separating our bank accounts and untangling oh. the debt and all that stuff, right? Oh, that's um, marriage. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we've we've always sort of maintained separate accounts. We have a like when we refinance the house into both our names, then we got a joint account that is there specifically for one of the of us to put money into to pay the mortgage. Right. Right. And that's, that's, and I think, so Megan and I got married super young um, right. and just got lucky, honestly, because we were 21. Uh, <laughs> and I, I have to tell you, if my kid came to me and said, I've, I'm 21 and I've met the person I want to be with my, for my entire life, I would give them the skeptical face much as my parents did. Yeah. 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 Uh, turns out um but uh we got lucky and we're still together and i I can't imagine how how nightmarish that would be so i encourage people to keep their their own finances um so there's an interesting thing keep your own finances but treat your family as a corporation oh yeah in that unpaid labor has value and is a family contribution and you will never ever say to somebody who's doing the unpaid labor of say child raising, um, you don't contribute anything. No, no, I, no. people do. Yeah. But they're, but they're bad people and they should feel bad. <laughs> um, 
but I think that we are working jointly to be a family of however many. We're going to pay vet bills together. We're going mm-hmm. to contribute in proportion to our income and budget together. Those are all super important, but keep your own accounts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and even then, uh, we because we were living together and not married for as long as we were, it's much more of a, as long as we communicate effectively, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I have to make two payments into... Jacob's tuition this right. month because this is the month where the old plan ends and oh by the way they want a month in advance on the new payment plan for next semester. Right? Why do they hate us? My kid is going to college where we are on tenterhooks. He finds out in the next two weeks if he gets to go to his first try school. Right. And then I get to figure out how I'm paying for it. They have it's 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 they have this school has a very nice financing plan and uh, I'm only paying a little more than my mortgage monthly, so right? he can go to college. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like that's my goal. It's like I would like it if it were around the same as I'm paying for rent. That would yeah. be super. Yeah. And by super, I, I mean goodbye disposable income. But uh, yeah, well, I was going to say we we also have a, a two income, so we just shifted around who was paying for what. Yeah. Right. So, but again, communication. Yeah, absolutely. But if y'all are babies out there, you should always have a fuck you fund. The fuck you fund is for if your boss is intolerable, yep. if your work is intolerable, or if your oh, spouse yeah. is intolerable. And you need to have at least a month of you can get out and feel safe. Oh, absolutely. Um, Maybe that's my good advice. I mean, it, 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 those for for both sets. Uh oh. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yes, dear. Uh, hopefully in the next twenty minutes. Okay. <laughs> Ursula's like, will you stop ta- talking to the nice lady on the phone and come have dinner? No, it's D and D night. Oh, oh my goodness. And I said, well, no, I said I will I will probably be late, and I am, because I am talking to Heidi tonight for Productivity Alchemy, and everyone's like, that's cool. None of us are on time either, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, I'm going to give you a chance here to say, hey, what charity should we spotlight for this episode? We should give some money to 612 MASH, which is a mobile uh, community-level response unit in downtown South Minneapolis mm-hmm. um, doing medic work and community support. Absolutely. Yes. All right. I will make sure that that will be our spotlight charity this week. Um, Excellent. And, and uh, we will, we will make sure that all the links and things, and we will talk about that, you know, after, after the interviews over a little bit more. Yep. Um, and where can we find you online? You can find me at Wired Ferret on Twitter. Um, I am an extremely online person and have no boundaries about time. So, you know, I'm around there a lot. Uh, you can also find me on my blog at HeidiWaterhouse.com, uh, where I blog intermittently. And uh, you can you can literally search on me and find most of my talks, especially the ones about failure, because I love failure so much. It's it it really is like I I love talking about it I love I, I love like having that moment of why I feel thing 
the people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and they're talks. They really are. Um, who was it? Was it no? It wasn't. Was it you or was it Vicky that talked about the um the Waffle House disaster planning? <laughs> that was me. Okay, that was you. Okay, Vicky I think it was like had more dignity than me. Yeah, well, no, you. I think like you and Vicky were back to back, and so it just like sort yeah. of got merged in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I like I have no objection to being in that crew. Yeah, but it's also that that was probably one of the 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 most eye opening talks I had no idea until, and then it was just like whoa, mind blown, and now suddenly my DR prep is a whole a whole different setup. Oh, so. that's so great to hear. Yeah, I, I really like scaring people straight. Um, <laughs> metaphorically, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not so good at making people straight on other levels. Well, you know, or that we want to do. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, yeah, it's um, it's really interesting to me how we don't disambiguate failure from disaster. And I think it's really important that we're clear on, you know, disasters are what lead to failures, but they can also stop it. Just yes. as, or yeah. failures are what lead to disasters. I can talk. I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes, uh, if, uh, best laid plans and all that sort of thing. If you, um, uh, do you follow Malka older at all? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, her work on, um, mitigating disasters so they become failures is absolutely phenomenal. Yes, and and super influential to like how I think about how to talk about this because the way she explains it is just oh so good. I uh, now I'm going to have to like ping Malka and say guess what I heard today. <laughs> <laughs> it's really an interesting problem. It is very hard to cite your sources. Or just alt thinking. Yes. But I want yeah. to. Like I want to give Malka credit, and I want to give the Lynn Gilbreth credit, and I want to like all of these people who I've learned from. I want to give them credit, but also they're not well tagged in my brain. It's just a thing I've learned. Right. 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 Um, well, now I have to go back and and read the Gilbreth stuff because I haven't in. A very long time. Or, or you could just wait until I come and summarize it all. I'm just going to okay. You know, that works that too. <laughs> I, I would. I would. Some days the cliff notes are much better to have than the the full discussion. Yeah. There's there's a lot, and I I spent about three hundred dollars of my you know personal learning budget on out of print books. Although. Although. To if any of your your listeners can help me, oh really? I have not been able to to buy a copy of her book about uh, the homemaker's world. Okay. Um, there is one in the library, and I'm going to have to ILL it. But I would really like to be able to put sticky notes on it, and they frown on that. Yes. Um. You know, we we have some people who are into hard to find books who listen. So maybe, maybe somebody maybe. can help out. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. I'm, I'm willing to pay like up to $70 for it. I need to understand how she designed the kitchen triangle because 
the Victorian kitchen was a nightmare. Oh my god. Right? I I see things like um uh lords and ladles. Mhm. And these manor houses are these literal castles with these kitchens and I just think of what a nightmare it must be to work in. Oh, they're horrible. Yeah. Like the the ergonomics, I mean, they had different constraints and yet. And yet. I still want that stove, though. Well, yeah. I mean, I'd have to rebuild parts of my house to support that stove. <laughs> we all need hobbies. Yeah. Oh, God. Ursula, I'm going to buy a $30,000 stove. <laughs> <laughs> and she will say, you go right ahead, Kevin. Yes. Actually, no, she'll say, can you afford it? And I'll be like, not yet. And then she'll be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll worry about it when it shows up. Yeah. When it shows up and I'm, I've got that wild looking a sledgehammer in my hands, then it'll be real. <laughs> I mean, I, I too have a spouse with um, ambition, optimism. How do we say that? Um, solutions of uh, grandeur. Yeah, that may be the one. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, one of those. Anyway, I should let you go to gaming pretty soon. Well, yes, that's uh, that was that was it. Um, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. Yes, it and, was. Uh, it was lovely, and I hope we can give each other a hug in person someday again. Yes, that is that is part of my 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 plan. It you know I just want to go different places to see people I know who I haven't been able to even like you know stand in the same room as for uh, a year or more and just be like, yo, so. <laughs> Can we Yo. please have some consensual hugs? Yes. Um, and if there is not to be hugging, there will be, you know, uh, uh, beers in close enough proximity that we could infect each other with. Doesn't that sound amazing? Yes. Really Who knew does. our goals would be so reduced? I just want to be able to breathe in the same room as other people who <laughs> I, I don't live I'm... with all the time now. Can I share potential germs? Yeah, That'd be exactly. great. <laughs> No, um, no, again, thank you so much. Absolutely brilliant. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and for the people at home, we'll be right back after. you enjoyed that really long conversation with Heidi as much as I did. Uh, we had a great time talking and I've tried to capture as many of the links in the show notes that I can. There were a couple things I couldn't find. And so I'll reach out to Heidi to verify them and add them later. So we have a word for this week. I have a hound you climbing do. in my lap. You do. And uh, the word for this week is related directly to our charity spotlight. Excellent. So our word this week is 618-MASH, 618-M-A-F-H. Uh, that is also 
the name of our charity spotlight, uh, 618mash.org. Uh, and go there, uh, give them money, help support their medical work at protests or uh, in the community, and help them reach their goal of someday having like a physical headquarters, which would be exceptionally cool. Uh, they spend a lot of time, they're going to spend a lot of time not just with all of the protests and political things and activism going on, but also, you know, work in the community. It's, it's really good stuff. Absolutely. Really, yeah. Uh, so if you want to find out more about that, 618mash.org, or, or, and, and go to productivityalchemy.com and put 618mash into the badge code spot. To collect your badge. To collect your badge, you can find out more about the badges at productivityalchemy.com. There's a whole how-to and everything. So yeah, that's that's about it for this week. I sh- we should probably stop because I think what Hound wants is for me to put her in a headlock and give her a noogie. Oh well, if if Hound needs noogies, um, just remember that uh, support six one eight Mash instead of us. Uh, we appreciate your money, uh, but we don't need it. They do much more than we do. Yes, we are and... doing great at the moment. So yep. You know, we'll tell you if that changes. But feel free if you have questions to write in. If you want to suggest a guest, I'm open to suggestions. Uh, I have some great stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, including uh, next week is Shannon Garrity. Really excited about that. But I've also got Sigrid Ellis and uh, L. Dowd coming up. And those are such great, great talks. Um, I cannot wait to share them with you, but I have to. So... It's spring here, and we're starting to feel certainly some more energy. And, uh, you know, things seem to be improving all around, and we're just going to keep our fingers crossed. So get out there, have some fun, and do your best to uh, stay productive. Even if that looks like hugging the dog. Are you hugging the dog? I'm about to, but she keeps trying to bump the mic with her head. Oh, right, yes.